You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. The serious side of the J. Rouse Show is coming up next right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 No more, it's none of my business. No more, I'm sure they'll work it out. No more, boys will be boys. No more, I'll say something next time. No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him. No more, she's too smart to let that happen. No more, not my problem. No more, he didn't mean it. No more, why doesn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more, she seems just fine to me. No more, she should have been more careful. No more, we don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. WWE Superstar Big Show here to tell you if you've been drinking, get a ride. Take a cab. Find another safe way to get home. Cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving. They will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Online radio at its best. Online radio at its best. Hey, 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 good install. If you're ready, map of the south. Let's do this. I'm telling you, I am first. Very honored that you would join me tonight. He has a very limited time spot, so we want to bring in Mr. Alan Sowell right away. Hey, how are you, Kathleen? You know what? I'm going to make you do what I do, baby. Man, what's crack a baby? What's crack a It's time for the serious side of the Jay Rowe Show. Don't try to call me out, princess. You can take your love and true purpose and stick it. She's a bitch. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. President Trump's coronavirus response coordinator, Deborah Burke, says now is the time to heed warnings about the pandemic. This is the moment to do everything that you can on the presidential guidelines. This is the moment to not be going to the grocery store, not going to the pharmacy, but doing everything you can to keep your family and your friends safe. Dr. Burks is a member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Speaking at the Daily White House briefing Saturday, she said New York, Detroit, and Louisiana could reach their peak soon and that cases in Pennsylvania, Colorado, and Washington, D.C. appear to be rising. President Trump predicted this week could be one of the toughest of the outbreak. He also suggested that some states were overstating their need for medical supplies saying the goal is to stay several days ahead of the needs of each state. States have been bidding on the open market for medical equipment like ventilators. California, though, attempting to bypass that step, as Holly J. McDeed reports from member station KQED. Governor Gavin Newsom has launched a one-stop website where companies can sell and donate medical supplies needed by hospitals and first responders around the state to fight COVID-19. We have been overwhelmed and humbled by the amount of individuals and businesses that have been willing to support our efforts, particularly on critical medical supplies. Houston says California is still in serious need of equipment from hand sanitizer to ventilators. He says the state is working on acquiring protective equipment at scale to avoid unnecessary competition between states. 
From PR News, I'm Heidi McDeed in San Francisco. Minister Justin Trudeau says millions of protective masks for Canadian health care workers due to arrive within a couple of days. And Karpachuk reports he also says he will not retaliate after the White House ordered 3M to stop shipping N95 masks to Canada. A Canadian government-chartered cargo plane carrying a shipment of masks from China is due to arrive by Tuesday morning. It's part of a shipment ordered by Quebec, which has the highest number of cases of COVID-19 in the country. Trudeau also said he would speak to President Trump in the coming days about his order to stop shipments of N95 masks to Canada, adding that much of the materials used in the masks come from Canada. Ecuador's vice president apologizing after pictures emerged of people who died of COVID-19 with BBC's Warren Bull. Guayaquil has the highest number of coronavirus deaths in Ecuador, and in recent days, images have appeared on social media networks of body bags massed together in unrefrigerated hospital rooms and coffins left on the streets of Ecuador's biggest city, some accompanied by messages written on cardboard to explain that the coronavirus quarantine and curfew restrictions left no other way to dispose of bodies. In a national broadcast, the Vice President Otto Sotenholzner said such scenes damaged Ecuador's international image and should never have happened. You're listening to NPR News. Coming up next on The Serious Side. Was there any dissent from your top economic advisors in your decision uh, to leave the guidelines in place until the end of April? No, and this is before we heard the 2.2 million people. Uh, I mean, we had a lot of people who were saying, maybe we shouldn't do anything, just ride it. They say, ride it like a cowboy. Just ride it, ride that sucker right through. That's where the 2.2 million people come in. Would have died. Maybe, but it would have been 1.6 to 2.2, and that's not acceptable. But there were a lot of people that said, I thought about it. I said, maybe we should ride it through. You know, you always hear about the flu. I talk about it all the time. We had a bad flu season. We're in the midst of a bad flu season. You know, we had a bad season last year, as an example, a bad flu season. And uh, you'll have 35, 36, 37,000 people die, sometimes more, sometimes less. Here you have an entire aircraft carrier full of U.S. Navy sailors who've done the same thing. They're all on that ship together, the USS Theodore Roosevelt, where they've confirmed more than 100 cases of COVID-19. Their captain put his career on the line to blow the whistle on the fact that they had a growing outbreak. Captain Brett Crozier wrote a letter to his superiors pleading for help, saying in part, quote, we're not at war, sailors do not need to die. The letter worked ship is now docked in Guam. They're working to remove thousands of sailors off of that ship, but Captain Crozier was relieved of his command yesterday, essentially for insubordination and and embarrassing the president of the United States. This coronavirus is for real. And we out here as public workers doing our job, trying to make an honest living to take care of our families. But for you to get on the bus, and stand on the bus and cough several times without covering up your mouth. And you know that we in the middle of a pandemic. That lets, that, that, that lets me know 
that some folks don't care. When you talk to people around Joe Biden, they say he has to, has to, has to put either a woman or a minority on the ticket. When he talks to you about then who should be on that ticket, who do you advise him? Oh, I'm not going to tell you who I'm going to advise him, but I would advise him that uh, uh, we need to have a woman on the ticket. Good evening. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, 39 years old and a Nobel Peace Prize winner, and the leader of the nonviolent civil rights movement in the United States was assassinated in Memphis tonight. A sniper's bullet cut down Dr. King as he stood on a hotel balcony in Memphis. Within an hour, Dr. King was dead. That happened at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The nation was shocked. President Johnson expressed horror and then postponed his trip to Hawaii until tomorrow. Good evening. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, 39 years old and a Nobel Peace Prize winner, and the leader of the nonviolent civil rights movement in the United States was assassinated in Memphis tonight. A sniper's bullet cut down Dr. King as he stood on a hotel balcony in Memphis. Within an hour, Dr. King was dead. That happened at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The nation was shocked. President Johnson expressed horror and then postponed his trip to Hawaii until tomorrow. Welcome to the serious side of the Jay Wilde Show with Mrs. Vanessa Maybell, Mr. Jerome Esprit, the official texter of the show, Mr. Johnny D, and Mr. Elias. Now here is your host, Jay Wilde. Good morning. My name is Jay Wilde, and here are the topics that we will be discussing this Sunday, April 5th, on the serious side. Was there any dissent from your top COVID-19, as the coronavirus continues to take the lives of Americans, the president and his team, well, most of the president, continues to make an ass out of himself in front of millions and millions of Americans. So here's the question. Should cable channels continue to carry this sideshow live? Mandatory social distancing. 38 states have told their residents to stay home. But what about the other 12, which begs the question, should residents or even government officials be formally charged for negligence? We'll take a closer look at a public servant who sounded the alarm, but now he's dead. Possible VP picks for Biden. It's completely understandable for one to forget that we are in the middle of a presidential election season. That being said, we asked our panelists a few weeks ago about their picks. Well, we're going to give them a mulligan, and we're going to ask them that same question today. And last but certainly not least, we're remembering the king. April 4th marks the 52nd anniversary of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So this morning, we'll take a few minutes to remember the man himself. But as always, I never share the stage by myself. Let me introduce you to some of the very best in the business. A big sister's in the house. Say good morning to her. I love her so much, so dearly. Miss Vanessa Maybelli from the Macanelli. Good morning, Vanessa. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. I'm so glad that I'm even here. She brought you a cake. I'm so glad to even say that I'm here this morning. So um, I'm just glad to be here with this stupid virus. You and your I'll barking dog. All righty, then. Apologize to that little one barking by his in the house. <laughs> this is why we love you. You just bring it around. We give Vanessa, Vanessa, in all her glory. Oh. We love you, sweetie. No, pardon me, I have to apologize. Hey, we're doing our thing. Hey, we're working from home. 
that's how it works. Thank you so much for being here. All right, next up, my little brother. I call him the educator brother, the brother whose words of wisdom and his knowledge is something. It's just a breath of fresh air on Sunday mornings, and we can't wait to hear from him. I know you guys can't wait to hear from him because I read some of your messages throughout the week. Let's bring him in, the one and only Johnny D in the place to be, man. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, good morning, good morning. I, I am certainly blessed on this Palm Sunday. We, we remember Jesus riding in on the back of a donkey. Um, good morning, Miss Vanessa. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Good morning. Jerome, and if Dr. Williams joins us, uh, good morning to her, um, and particularly to all of those who allow us to come into their homes each week, Jay. Um, a lot of serious topics, a lot of things going on, so I'm just looking forward to being able to, to learn and be educated and, and, and celebrate the, the life and death of Dr. King, and again, um, on this glorious Palm Sunday day, and thank you for allowing me this opportunity as usual. Hey, man, listen, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be in your presence. You just don't know, man, greatness, uh, greatness, respect, greatness, and uh, you know how it is, man. So hats off to you. Glad you're in the house, and uh, you know how I feel about you. All right, next man, the man that gets the first and last word here on the serious side, a man that, uh, you know, i tell you what, uh, last Sunday was his birthday, and I did not even acknowledge that on the air, and, and I feel so horrible about that. Um, this brother is truly my brother from another oh mother. Uh, I, I just, you know, it's just it hurt me to my when he when he he called me and he and he was kind of jokingly at me about it and it just hurt me to my core. So I wanted to take this time and this opportunity to tell this brother man that I love him, I love him, I love him. And, uh, you know, he's an old man now. AARP is getting another soldier and another lieutenant in their army. But let's bring in the man who gets the first and last <laughs> word here on the series side. The one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, my brother. How you doing? Good morning, Happy son. Good morning. birthday to you. Happy oh, birthday to you. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday, son. Your birthday was the 29th, and I missed it. Yeah, you're over here live, Yeah, oh, that's 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 quite all right, folks. We got too much going on in the world right now, so I get it. I definitely get it. Good morning, Hawk, and good morning, Nessa, and you know, good morning, morning, good morning, morning. here. Yeah, yeah, Jay, I love you too, man. You black pastor. Um, anyway. Oh, wow, these just on Sundays. You know, let's tell you what, church just don't reach that guy's house. I, I don't care how it comes, via internet, via whatever. It just don't get there. All right, folks, the number is 347 Like our guys, I said, we have a lot to talk about. A serious topic, serious things going on in America. And like Mr. Elias said, there's a lot of important things going on in this world. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Was there any dissent from your top economic advisors in your decision uh, to leave the guidelines in place no, until the end of April? No, and this is before we heard the 2.2 million people. Uh, I mean, we had a lot of people who were saying, maybe we shouldn't do anything. Just ride it. They say, ride it like a cowboy. Just ride it. Ride that sucker right through. That's where the 2.2 million people come in. Would have died, maybe. But it would have been 1.6 to 2.2. And that's not acceptable. 
But there were a lot of people that said, I thought about it. I said, maybe we should ride it through. You know, you always hear about the flu. I talk about it all the time. We had a bad flu season. We're in the midst of a bad flu season. You know, we had a bad season last year, as an example, a bad flu season. And uh, you'll have 35, 36, 37,000 people die, sometimes more, sometimes less. That America was your president talking about a serious topic that's taking the lives of Americans saying that we should ride it like a cowboy over 10,000 dead and this guy is talking about riding it like a cowboy so let me start with you Mr. Elias the coronavirus is really shaping the way that we're doing business in this country and my question to you is simple what's happening in this country today Similar to 9-11, has the coronavirus changed the way that we, will, that we will, going forward, has it changed the way we will live our daily lives? Yeah, it, it, it will. You know, I hate to, to say this, man, but we'll be cautious, more cautious of people around us constantly. You know, even, even after this pandemic has uh, subsided, because they're saying that uh, even after this thing subsides for the summer and that in the fall and the winter we should it should rise it's got to be head where we're again so yeah it's going to change it's going to change who we are it's going to change everything it has it has already I, I went to Costco the other the other day to get some supplies man and you had to stand in line like everybody stood six feet apart they only allowed 100 people in the store at a time. They were handing out uh, wipes as you walked in the store. I had on gloves and a mask. I mean, it was just, I mean, and you just stood in line and you waited for those. They let 10 people in at a time. And, I mean, this is how, this is, this is the way we're living right now. But I don't see it. I don't see that once this pandemic is over, because of this, this, this guy not putting the pandemic office in place, which would have helped, you know, and and him. He was already in place. Far, yeah, well, I'm saying if he'd have left it in place, you know, there and you then it, it would have helped. And then if you look at South Korea, they jumped on it. They had the same. They had the same case. They had the same day we reported one the uh, first case of the coronavirus. They did, and they're just they're they're handling theirs a lot better than we are. I mean, the numbers don't lie. And all those people out there who were saying, oh, that, that, that's false, that's fake, fake news. Yeah, well, Fox is being sued right now for saying that this was a hoax. So keep it up. Keep it up. So that's the same question to you. I mean, uh, do you think that, once again, this will change the way we live our daily lives moving forward because we know what happened after 9-11, right? I mean, we know that now all of a sudden you have to take your shoes off, you can't go to gates. Do you think, you know, a lot of the things that we're putting in place now will remain in effect to keep people safe moving forward, or do you think that this is a whole lot to do about nothing? This is going to pass just like, you know, Ebola, just like the N1, the, what was that called, the N1, whatever it was called, that virus. one n one there you go. So do you think it's a situation where this is going to pass and we're going to just return to normal? Or do you honestly think that from now on, you know, two years from now, 
will be, you know, standing six feet apart in lines. And, you know, once again, well, give me your thoughts on the whole thing. Well, I worked at the airport for 9-11. So I was right in the middle of it. I had just started at the airline. And let me say this. There are a lot of things that have changed since 9-11 in the airport mm-hmm. where we had to go through people's bags and so forth. And now they have big machines that are more precise with it. So I say that to say, Jay, that a lot of the things we go will go back to normal. I don't think that we're going to have to stand six feet apart uh, after they get a vaccine. But I do think that people are going to be a little bit more aware of their surroundings when people call. Uh, even me, I have really bad asthma. Y'all know that. Upper respiratory. That's why my daughter went to the grocery store this morning and got my stuff um, when she went and got hers. They don't want me in the store because, and I hate to say this, but it's so true and it makes me cry when I think about it because, y'all, if I go in the hospital, I'm going to be the one that don't get the ventilator. I'm going to be the one that when they have to make a decision, does Vanessa get one or does this young one over here in college get one? I won't get one because I have such bad upper respiratory problems. So I think that kind of stuff will go away and they will have enough machines for everybody. I think that we won't have to stand six feet apart. But I do believe that for a while they're going to make us start wearing masks. I think because of the person that we have in office that says that he looks ridiculous in a mask and he won't wear one, but other people, uh, if they could give people access to it, we'll have a mask. Um, they're teaching us how to make one online. I've always had different masks because when I would be going in and out of casinos or whatever, I always needed a mask because of my breathing. But I think that that kind of stuff is going to change. I think people are going to be more aware. They're going to keep masks with them. They're going to have a pair of gloves with them. I do. I think that that hygiene, the hygiene, the the, the safety of it is gonna it's gonna change because people like me or people who got heart problems and stuff, they know that if something happens during this pandemic, they're not gonna save us. They're not gonna save us. So it's hard for me to say this, but it's true. No, you're right. I mean, we, you know, we, matter of fact, in last week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know, one of the things that we talked about and that we focused on, at least that segment focused on, was the fact that there are doctors who are making life, you know, life decisions uh, about people, you know, whether they get a ventilator or they don't get a ventilator. Um, you, you know, uh, matter of fact, uh, a lot of ambulance drivers are being told that if they, if they can't resuscitate a patient, on site, they don't even bring them to the hospital in some cases. Same thing, Johnny. Uh, your thoughts on this whole thing, man. Your thoughts, man. What say you? Well, you know, I, I, I'll go back to, to 9-11, and of course, after that horrific incident, Americans united and we bonded, and three months later, people were offended at the airline workers for searching them more intrusively and more intentionally. So we have a tendency to have a short uh, span of attention. I do think that there will be some changes uh, with with any any tragedy or or pandemics like this. There are some adjustments that individuals make. I think this will force the government to now refocus 
and reestablish the pandemic office and be more receptive to the World Health Organizations and the, and the CDC and their recommendations and our preparations. Um, right. You know, and, and, and looking at some articles and things, uh, it talked about um, on yesterday, I was looking at uh, BBC and it said as far back as 2005, you know, they were indicating that if we had a major pandemic on 10 different occasions, it was reported that if we had a major pandemic, that the United States did not have enough respirators to accommodate that. Um, When you think about our our desire to be entertained, you know, here it is, you have this criminal, um, this retrobate speaking about, you know, already uh, opening up major sporting events already. So there is no social distancing. Uh, Each one of us have been to, 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 you know, athletic stadiums, and each one of us has probably played ball, and you know the proximity. You know that there is physical contact between the players. You know that that, that, that they're trying to jam 20 and 30 and 40 and 100,000 people in a stadium. So, you know, guys like myself, I'm already cramped up. So that's not going to change. Look at the airlines. You know, um, you would think that you would have had some – some some airlines that would have concentrated on eliminating baggage, but yet what they did, they started allowing people to to bring more carry-ons because they charge people for putting them in cargo. So now, you know, you've got it inside the interior of the plane where it's it's, it's least inspected. So, yeah, we we, we will sit back and and we will reassess and reevaluate, and there'll be some minor changes. And, you know, individually, I probably may, may never shake a person's hand, um, at least in the immediate future. I'll make sure that my, 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 my youth and my children are more prepared. I'll make sure that I do disinfecting. I think that collectively people will start doing so. But look at when the church is open, you know. Uh, people are looking forward to getting back to church. I know I am. And I guarantee you, as soon as I get up in there, there's going to be people I hadn't seen in right now uh, nearly a month. And by the time this, right. this may be over with, it may be three, four, five months, you know, funeral. Mm-hmm. So there will be rejoicing and opportunities for us to come together, which will eliminate that that, that social distance of six feet. Um, I, I, I won't get off into... To, to, the brother Hargrove on the bus because I know that that's a segment. But yeah, there will be some changes, but any real dynamic changes that cause us to really be more respectful, respectful to one another's space, that probably will not happen or be sustained. Uh, look at the arguments yeah. that some people are even making now. You know, New York is in such a, a, a turmoil. When you get the, the mayor. Um, Mayor de Blasio and the governor, Governor Cuomo, who has been a real strong leader, and he's dissatisfied. Now, here it is. You got over 100,000 cases of of COVID-19, and you still got people in New York gathering around because why? Because we have an entitlement. We got this sense of entitlement. You're not going to tell me what to do. So, yeah, uh, you know, the the immediate impact will be there. But look at your school system. They'll go back to normal, right. you know. So life will go back to right normal for Americans because we 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 are so enamored with with our liberties. And like I said, I say time and time again, we are. Where, where 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 your uh, rights begin, minds don't end. 
you know, look at the host of individuals who now don't even vaccinate their kids and then sitting them up in school and you got smallpox and malaria and all of this stuff coming. These are the ones who we you know, have to deal it, with. That's interesting, man. It's interesting you bring that up, the, the fact that uh, you have people, because like you said, you know, we all live in this world together. And, and you know, and, and, and you right. brought up something that we're going to definitely talk about next segment, uh, how irresponsible people can lead to other people who are doing the right thing could be affected by nonsense. Three four seven eight five one one two seven two. The smartest exactly. man in the world has and, made and, his way in the building. Let's bring right. him in. Jay, Jay, can I say one one, one last thing before before yeah, real quick, Johnny, takes we're on? Out of time. Um, now, if, yeah. if, if you look at nine eleven over the last several years, and, and Miss Vanessa, I'm sure can vouch for this. Look at the number of firearms that's being confiscated at the airport. So, if we were that concerned about you know, even events that happened in 9-11, there were more weapons confiscated at the airport terminals last year than any time in the history. So, again, yeah. short term, long term, we're not going to comply. Right, absolutely. Let's bring him in. Mr. Jerome is free from his freeradio.net and the man who brings us on a need-to-know basis on a weekly basis here on the serious side. What's going on, Jerome, man? How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing outstanding, man. Hey, good morning. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Something that uh, I was thinking about as I watched, you know, Agent Orange stand before America and continue to do this nonsense. And and I'm going to let you close the set segment out. Should cable channels continue to carry that that freaking sideshow that we see every day at around five Central, uh, six Eastern? Should they continue to carry this nonsense? No, and they they were doing a good job of just cutting them off, of just doing partial stuff. I mean, I mean nationally, I think they put um, New York's governor on TV more than they do him, which is good. Yeah. But, I mean, I think they're being responsible to a point where everybody knows that this is serious, and it's it's like, you know, all those Trump supporters, they have to know that this dude is, in, you know, incompetent. Like, we have effectively have no, like, um, responsible federal government right now. This is what it looks like when you're, like, states' rights and we don't want the government to act on anybody's behalf. This is what that looks like. The only thing the government wants to do is stop you from having abortions or stop you from having civil rights. Anything else, they ain't wow. trying to help. So where, where are they trying to help you? Like, so when we... After all of this, when we go back into politics, I don't, I don't want to hear nothing about what it is that he is bringing people together for and what, is it, what their mission is. They're essentially privatizing our response, right? The government doesn't want any responsibility. So what they're doing is they're taking that, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars and actually giving it to private companies to provide a service to you. This is this is going to be – you're talking about the fact that he had a problem with Nancy Pelosi um, a few days ago because she said we already need to have an investigation of how they're divvying up funds. He's divvying it out to his friends and family and companies that he has relationships with. So when we go into the next political cycle and it's like, yeah, Donald Trump has a war chest of money. You know why? Because he's making all them people rich off of a daggone federal emergency. He's not spending that money to make the states this, you know, I'm sorry, 
Jared Kushner, when he got on um, TV the other day, or last week, said, um, that's our yes. style. Yes. Like, who yes. is our? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? It ain't his friends and family stuff. What is that our thing when you're talking to federal government? And then when the reporter asked him, he said that she was nasty. Yeah, but when the report actually no, no, forget his personality. What I, what I'm saying to you is that don't forget this when it comes down to having conversations about um, people who are rational and why somebody should or should not be in leadership and what you fear in leaders in their selfishness. They these guys at the federal level, I don't care if it's Barr, if it's Trump, we are watching evil. In pr- like right in front of your face and everybody's scared to call it out and what we're about to find out is that states can coordinate just like what New York State is doing if he hooks up with the other states and they co- collectively, you know, California Oregon is sending ventilators here and they're only sending 140 but what you know, Governor Cuomo said is we are going to help, we're going to send those back when our curve goes and yours goes up twofold we're going to take care of Oregon. New York State took care of Puerto Rico when the federal government wasn't going in there. Because Cuomo said, we have enough Puerto Ricans in New York City that we need to look out for our population. And he sent people down to Puerto Rico when the federal government wouldn't do that. So what, what you're about to see is a shift, right? And you're about to see a shift because our federal government is non-existent. They're there to... to maintain the elite rich class of people in this damn country and you know i'm not mad about it what i'm saying is i'm saying that for you to wake up to say what is it that we need to do to make sure that we all stay safe because big brother is not out there helping you and as as far as your conversation earlier about vaccinations and all that and saying you know this is a time to take a shot at people who are not taking vaccinations i tell you this whether you get a vaccination or not, this shit ain't, that ain't going to help you. Not in this case. So they're not, they're two different conversations. People who don't want vaccinations don't want them for very good reasons. Death for Vera killed about 150 million people in Kenya. And they were vaccinating them, telling them that they were just giving them um, um, flu shots, whatever, MMR shots. And they killed 500, 500 million people. I mean, sorry, yeah, 500,000 people at that time. So when you sterilize that many people and kill, you know, that many people, people get weary of the government giving you something. See how the government's not helping now? The CDC is not helping now? And the states have to, you know, New York State is calling on their own private lab to actually help process tests to see if people have this virus. The states are doing this. This is not federal doing this. Those guys have a different plan. And again, I'm not saying this from a seriously serious point. I am saying that we need to take this serious, and you need to watch who you elect to your state senate, to your federal senate office, and to the presidency. We need to take these offices serious these days. That that's what we should get out of this when it comes back down. The Rand Paul, yeah, Marco Rubio's need to get out of there. 
respect. You're right, yeah, Rubio. He's an idiot. And, you, and you're right. You know, you look at well, look at the fact that they injected you know black men with syphilis. I mean, you know, so hey, people have reasons to, to be in, in arms. Yeah, I definitely good get reason. it. All right. Yeah, great. You do. You do. Yeah, you bring up an excellent point. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. In this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. Uh, you know, we're going to focus on how everyday Americans are affected by this. There are folks in, prof- in professions that we don't even think of on a daily basis that are having to deal with this coronavirus and, and being impacted by it. And there's one such profession that uh, we don't hear a lot of, and it's funeral directors. So let's listen to. Uh, Let's listen to uh, this segment in this week's edition of Informant and Celeste, something that you need to know. We'll be right back. Steve, we see you. We'll get you up next. You're listening to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The coronavirus has changed so much about our lives, including now how we deal with the rituals of death, with social distancing and stay-at-home orders. Large funerals and memorials are banned. Even a simple hug is potentially dangerous. So funeral directors who handle the bodies and help the living through their grief face new challenges. We're joined now by Norman J. Williams. He is director of Unity Funeral Parlors in Chicago's historic Bronzeville neighborhood. Mr. Williams, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Well, sir, thank you for making the time, and and please help us understand some of the ways in which you've had to change what you do in recent days. Well, I think the largest change has to do with being a point of information. When we're contacted, more often now, the people who are calling are afraid. First questions they will ask is, uh, can we even have a funeral? What are the restrictions? Can we celebrate our loved ones the way it was culturally desired for us to do so? Do we have to cremate? Is there a requirement for cremation? And so assessing their fears and reassuring them that all of the cultural and traditional uh, norms of how they would uh, generalize their loved one have not changed. The only thing that has changed is the issue of not having a collection of more than 10 people in one space. There's a desire to touch and a desire to hug, and we have to almost help each other resist that. Forgive me for putting it this way, but is it safe to hold a public funeral for someone who has died of the coronavirus? The manner of treatment of the body would render the body safe. The concern that we have as technicians is different from a medical health provider. A person who has died is not breathing and they're not moving. However, they are being moved by us and so there are some physical things that we can do to the body that can actually create an environment of droplets or mists that we have to protect ourselves from. So in our case, we're concerned about not transmitting the virus from the deceased person to those of us who are working on the deceased person. It must be hard, Mr. Williams, even for someone in your line of work to see people say goodbye to a loved one and and not be able to have their arms around each other and, and hug each other. What is really hard is the separation and the not being able to follow your instincts. 
having been running a family business as I have over the course of a business's 80 years, I've been here half of that, there are families with whom we have served before, and you have been someone who has helped them before, and they recognize you, you recognize them, the first thing you want to do is reach out to them to touch them, and we have to help each other learn a behavior of social distancing for a while. You, you strike me, Mr. Williams, as a um, both a kind and wise man, and I just wonder... What would you like to tell people now? What should we keep in our minds and hearts during this period? I think the things we learn from our parents and grandparents are things that innocently enough are proving themselves to be so wise. We're dealing with a virus that hygiene that almost all of us take for granted is very effective. Every child that has been outside playing, whose mother or grandmother says, wash your hands before you come to the table, can remember that voice now. <laughs> Being concerned and not letting days pass before you reach out to people that are in your extended family, if, if not through a phone call, through a text. Perhaps now is when you want to be known and known where you are, Known that someone's going to kind of check in with you and be there to miss you if they don't hear from you. Sometimes it's good for people to know where you're going and how long you're going to be out and when you're expected back. Because at the end of the day, no matter how individual we are, we do want to belong to somebody. Welcome back here. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the call in number. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's forty one minutes after the hour. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Ross Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TGRS Radio Network, online radio. It is best and as promised. Let's get the Steve before we get into our second topic of the morning. Steve, former uh, panelist here on the show. Good morning, Steve. Welcome to the serious side. What say you, sir? God bless you, Jay. Good morning, sir. And I'm definitely going to give you my opinion on Trump's uh, performance. But I want to remind you guys, for years I've talked about trillion-dollar powers. Six corporations controlled 90% of the media. I believe the satanic cabal at the top controls about 8,000 corporations. They have no borders, and they're behind this agenda. But Trump, I believe he's going to get reelected. He's going to get three to four times the African-American vote. He got the first election uh, because of the hydroxychloroquine. Um, I definitely believe that uh, that situation and over 600 patients getting better. And Dr. Raz is, uh, he's investigating the performance of that. And it's made out of zinc, 25 to 50 milligrams a day, ladies and gentlemen, the zinc. Everybody can go back to work. The situation has been dissolved, but... We still have to find out what's going to happen when this 5G rolls out. But, yes, I'm different than you guys. I don't believe Trump's running the country. I believe this, this is an old-school cabal, Rockefellers, Rothschilds, all that involved. But Trump is going to get reelected. I know a lot of Democrats and people don't want to hear that. But Joe Biden, he just, he just doesn't have a chance against Trump. His African-American support is off the charts right now. 
He keeps letting guys out of prison. He keeps doing you know, criminal justice reforms. Trump's going to get reelected, ladies and gentlemen. The hydroxychloroquine and, and shutting down the, the flights from China, that's going to resonate with his base. His base is, did you see how many Republican voters showed up to a primary when Trump was the only one on the ballot and there was no other Republican running against him? Do you know how many long lines of Republicans showed up to vote for him in the primary when there was no opponent voting against him? Can you imagine the onslaught that's about to happen come November? That is what's going to happen. His African-American support is off the charts with Donald J. Trump. He's going to get reelected. Wow, I, <laughs> I believe we have a satanic cabal at the top, and they're going to continue uh, to release bioweapons because they're, um, they want to reduce population. And we believe this media. Remember, we have six corporations controlling 90% of the media, ladies and gentlemen. And, and so and, until we can break out of this Democrat-Republican mindset that I believe they socially engineered, we are going to continue to have the infighting between both parties. And, we're, and you've got to show the elite, Jay. If the country doesn't open back up by June, you have got to act a fool and show the elite that you mean business about opening this country back up. Because what the elite may be trying to do, Jay, is shut down America's economy and make China the global only superpower of this world. That might be what wow. they're trying to do is shut down our economy, Jay. And you've got to show the wow. elite that you mean business. They don't want you overthrowing the country. But yeah. if you if you act like a slave, Jay, they yeah. are going to treat you like a slave, ladies and gentlemen. If they don't right. open up, hey, I'm the step in, man. That, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a drop the mic moment, Steve. I'm gonna drop in there, man. And uh, wow, well, I tell you what, I'm pretty sure our folks are gonna have something to say about that when we get into this topic. But right now, let's get to our second topic. Thanks for calling. This coronavirus is for real, and we out here. As public workers doing our job, trying to make an honest living to take care of our families. But for you to get on the bus and stand on the bus and cough several times without covering up your mouth, and you know that we in the middle of a pandemic, that lets, that, that, that lets me know that some folks don't care. That was Jason Hargrove. He's a Detroit uh, bus driver uh, who sounded the alarm about coronavirus, and he talked about how people are being irresponsible when it comes to social distancing. Let's listen to this story in more detail, and I'll bring everybody else in on the other side. Even in the midst of these incredible failures of leadership, every day we are seeing profound and brave actions, often by people we've never even heard of. Essential workers from farm workers in the fields who are picking fruit right now and don't get a stimulus check because they are undocumented to mail carriers, people that are keeping all sorts of necessary parts of life going. And they're risking their lives quite tangibly every day to do it. Jason Hargrove, a bus driver in Detroit, noted this in a video he recorded after picking up a coughing passenger. This coronavirus is for real. And we out here, as public workers, doing our job, trying to make an honest living to take care of our families. But for you to get on the bus and stand on the bus 
and cough several times without covering up your mouth, and you know that we in the middle of a pandemic, that lets, that, that, that lets me know that some folks don't care. But yo, I got to get out of here, man. I got to get out of here. I got to make this run. What's up, everybody? I'll let y'all, man. Y'all be safe. Sadly, Jason Hargrove was infected with the coronavirus. He got sick and he died Wednesday night, less than two weeks after posting that video. He was 50 years old. He leaves behind a wife. Jason Hargrove quite literally put his life on the line for the city of Detroit, for the mobility of the people that live there. What a story uh, about a young man who sounded the alarm, talked about how people who are not being doing the right thing when it comes to social distancing, people who are not taking this thing seriously, it's just unfortunate. And because of people who don't really give a damn about nobody else but themselves, other folks are affected by it. Let me start off this conversation with you, Vanessa. That's a real-life story. That's a real dude. That guy could be our friend. He could be our brother. He could be our, our husband, a son. You know, he's a local bus driver. I used to catch the bus uh, to work uh, every day, and uh, I used to run into people that I saw every day, and they became like a part of your, your, your inner circle. Now he's gone because a passenger got on the bus. And they, let me just make sure I say this. They didn't confirm that that's what happened to him, that this particular passenger came on the bus. But first of all, what type of home training do you have where you don't even cover your mouth? I noticed that a lot of people just cough. They just don't cover your mouth and don't do anything. And you're coughing on the bus. This man is dead two weeks later. What say you? Well, you guys probably have forgotten because it's not a big deal. My husband no, just retired body. from Metropolitan Transit Authority as a bus driver for 35 yep. years. And all I can say is, God, I thank you for allowing him the opportunity to step off that bus at 62 years old. So he does have a friend named Peggy. Please, God bless Peggy. She is in the hospital with the virus. They do believe that she caught it on the bus. Uh, A lot of Bobby's friends retired right around the time that he was retiring, but there are some that are still there waiting until they turn 67 to get all of their money. So they are doing something at Houston at Metro, uh, Jay. They are allowing some of the workers to take a three-month leave. Um, Bobby Mm. doesn't know if they are getting paid or not. Um, but they are allowing them to come off that bus. Bobby's best friend who was in our wedding works at the rail, Jake, in Houston. And he has asthma like I do. And his job told him to use his vacation and sick time and get off of the, the train system here because they don't want something to happen to him because when you're asthmatic, then you are prone and if something happens, you're not getting a ventilator. His wife has been a nurse at Methodist over in the medical center, which we have the, one of the biggest medical centers in the world here in Houston. She True. has been asked by her boss not to step foot in that hospital because she's had a heart transplant. So 
she doesn't know how, you know, they, they okay financially, but she's saying she's not getting paid. So, you know, people should be very considerate of other people. But let me say this to you who can hear my voice. Only place I have been in three weeks is to go get my RV, bring it home, wash it, take it back with nobody around. I've been to Home Depot, but Vanessa had enough sense that even though they're spacing and like if two people come out, they let three people in, Vanessa has enough sense to wear a mask and to have on a glove. Now, I might have touched the counter when I was getting paint mixed, but hopefully it wasn't no coronas on the counter because it does be on the surface for so many hours. But this is not a joke. And if you ride the bus, they have stopped the parking rides in Houston. So if you're trying to get a bus to go to work, you ain't getting no one. So I'm just saying, be thoughtful of other people. Put on a mask. If you don't want to stay in the house, you just got to get out. Put on a mask. And these bus drivers have to go home. Don't be leaning over them, coughing on them and sneezing on them and dripping on them. And Don't do that. Stop holding on to that bar. Just got the germs on it. Put on some gloves. Stop. Don't pass it. Even if you're not going to stay home, don't pass it. Put on yourself. Put on your gear. Arm yourself, baby, with your gloves and your mask. Arm yourself. Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom, man. You're world. absolutely correct. But, but you know, Mr. Elias, let me, let me come to you, man. Uh, you know, once again, if you saw the video of the brother. You know, here's a brother, man, that, you know, because, and these are the people like Vanessa talking about. We don't think about folks like this. You know, we, you know, we, uh, this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know, talked about funeral directors and the, and the risk that they put themselves through. But, you know, everyday Americans, people who deliver your food, folks who are still having to work because, you know, we have to survive, right? I mean, my goodness, people like that. And you have these irresponsible individuals running around here not doing the right thing. So here's my question for you. I talked about it at the top, how there are 38 states who have told their residents to stay at home. But then there's 12 states that are, you know, thank God their cities are doing the right thing. Most of these states are Republican states. Folks are saying, no, we, you know, we're not going, no, 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 whatever the case may be. If people, let's say that, for example, in Houston, right, let's say that, this pandemic hit Houston and a lot of people die. Should the governor be held legally for not doing the right thing? Because when you make mistakes at that level, it costs people their lives. It's not a oops, I'm sorry. And this may fall into that same category of, you know, we've had shows before where we talked about these, these attorney generals who have put people in jail. And, you know, 30 years later, they're innocent. And then all the state does is issue an apology. There's some mistakes that are critical mistakes that can't be reversed, especially if a person's been on, put on death row and has been killed because of some evidence that you presented. So I'll go back to the coronavirus. Should government, government, govern, government officials be held responsible legally if they don't do the right thing in people their lives? Well, I, honestly, Jay, I believe your, 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 your lieutenant governor should definitely be held responsible because he said people are willing to die to get the economy. They go back to, to, to get the county yeah, economy going. Yeah. Yep. So most definitely he should have be held accountable. And you know what, man? Um, why aren't we following what South Korea did? 
Why are we not following? Well, I, I know why we're not following it because you got an idiot in charge, and this this dude does not believe. I mean, if you, if somebody shows you a model, uh, like it's like taking a test. If you get a test and you get all the all the answers right, and you're answering all the different questions wrong, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna fail. Guess what we're doing? We're failing right now. South Korea had it the same time we did, and they they're, they're coming out of it. They are coming out of it. Why is that? Why aren't we modeling ourselves after South Korea? I don't get I don't get the the hypocrisy that runs around this country talking about how China did this. I don't care. Find out what works and then you do that to save American lives. You're talking about lives now. You're not talking about some you can't come back from death, man. There's no coming back from that. It's it's ridiculous to me, man, that we are not that we're in the state that we're in right now. And people and Trump said it too. Ah, uh, by, by Easter, that that meant that was meant by Easter we'll be back. We'll have we'll have everything back and going. Come on, dude. This is is for somebody to follow this guy is is ridiculous. And when Steve said his, his his black votes like coming up, I don't know what I don't know what polls he's looking at, man. <laughs> I really don't know what polls he's looking at, man. I wish I wish he could I wish he could tell me, but it ain't I, I can't see no black no black folks voting for this racist clown. No. Yeah, interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, Jerome, your thoughts? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, hold on. Come to me. Come to me in a second. Come back. All right. Well, you swing around to Johnny D. Johnny D. Uh, you know, once again, should government officials or people in public, if you see people in public, you know, just. You know, police. I mean, in some states, I think they're actually arresting people now. I mean, you know, you heard about the case about the pastor who was arrested, and we talked about that briefly last week. But the question is, should government officials be held liable when people die when they don't do the right thing? Because they make mistakes when they make decisions, Johnny D. And I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm doing this for obvious reasons. You know, people die because of Trump's Ignorance, and because of the fact that this man doesn't know what he's doing, people died because of the decisions that he made. Died. Died. So my question is, should these people be held liable legally? Well, I'm going to say something that that probably most would would not ever think I would utter. Um, I don't blame this entire process on, on Trump. For certain, no, I don't uh, think anyone does. Been, right, right. So he he's been a poor leader. Uh, he he did show some progress this week. So I will commend him for for taking it serious and predict that these these next two weeks uh, will be crucial and critical in, in, in how we mitigate the the spread of of this pandemic. And then I'll stop short of of criticizing him on this one here. Uh, I I do want to speak about the the. The public servants, uh, those first responders, and those individuals whom you know are, are unprecedented, those hourly workers. And you know, Jay, the thing is, is that you know this show has done well in acknowledging uh, those 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 unsung heroes. The last two weeks, you know, we've talked about those that's working in the restaurants, the stores, and you know, the clerks and the truck drivers, and you know, the bus drivers. Uh, not specifically, but we put them all in in, in, in that that particular realm. And it's a saddened state um, when things like this happen. 
and it's a tragedy. The government, I think, overall has has responded fairly well at, at the at the state levels. Uh, I think most of the governors have been real responsive to their constituents. Uh, now these these twelve states that have not, um, you know, obviously they they have low numbers and feel like they are immune to to the spread. If if it reaches from China to the United States. And don't think it won't touch Iowa and South Dakota and North Dakota and, and, and Mississippi and, and those places that have, have kind of stood firm in regards to, to not wanting to do the right thing. So, yes, they should be held accountable. Now, I will say that stronger enforcement measures are being employed here in this state here. Uh, we I think nine people was arrested yesterday in one of the local areas here for violating the social distance order, and they should have. Uh, I read about uh, a, 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 a youth birthday party uh, in, in, I think it was in Watts or somewhere in L.A., where now, of course, they, they, they were they, they, they were excessive in how they did so. But, yeah, in, in order to make sure that, that, that we mitigate uh, the spread of this virus, uh, we've got to do what we need to do. I think our, our state has been fairly successful because the governor has been responsive early on in regards to making sure that certain businesses were were shut down. Uh, I, I still have my concerns about ABC stores and golf courses being considered essential, but overall, I think the package in which he has has deployed within this state has been responsible. The school systems uh, being shut down, even though you've got uh, in, in this state, I think that uh, it went from 40,000 last week to somewhere around 23,000 have still not logged in. But honestly, honestly, uh, I, I think they will give those those students an opportunity. It just shows that we need to, to build a fabric in there uh, for students to do things at home where every household needs to have Internet. And I think it needs to be free, some type of broadband. But all in all, if the schools were open and if they hadn't taken these measures right here, folks, that that 200,000 would already be surpassed that they're projecting uh, as far as the loss of life. And and you go back to 1918, you know, when you're talking about nearly 700,000 Americans were, were killed because of the Spanish flu. You know, social media has a lot to do. With, with this, uh, we more populated. So yes, I do think that that government officials who fail to act accordingly should be arrested. Now, I also look at Gavin Newman out in California, who just simply outbidding individuals. Now he's got a, he's got he he he. he He's doing what he, he is supposed to do. He's taking care of the people in, in his state. But I do think that you have to be responsible. In a state as large as California, you know, you literally would wipe three or four states from being able to get any resources if you try to deal with the pandemic solely. So, you know, there's got to be some, 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 some gear to take right there. And it's a sad thing that, that the governors are having to fight one another for resources that we should have right. already been prepared for. And this goes back to, to, to George W., uh, President Obama, and now this retrobate here. No one has prepared for this here. I don't know if it's, we thought we were special or we thought that we would never live to see this here, but now that it's upon us, now it's almost like me and you and, 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 and 
let, let's say all of the contributors on here and, and we were buying for a million dollars in order to feed our families, we're going to go hard at it, correct? And, and, you know, whether you get some or not, that's the American way. You know, the first rule of yeah. law is, 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 is survival, okay? That's the first rule of law. But I do think that he's Self-preservation been Self-preservation is the key. You're absolutely correct about that. Exactly. And I think he's been pretty shameless in, in, in his attempt to set back and, and, and use the private market and that that, and that, that that strong tax base that California has to outbid states that may need it as well. Yeah, well, it's unfortunate that they're in that situation because the federal government, because, you know, if you listen to Trump, uh, Jerome, Trump is always talking about how, you know, we, you know, we're here as a backup. I mean, I've never heard a president of the United States stand up and say this with a straight face, that the government is a backup for the states. The states, you take care of yourself, but the government is a backup. So if the, if, if the federal government is not for the people, you know, for the people, by the people, uh, it, how can, you know, what's the purpose of the federal government? I mean, that, that's the purpose. You're supposed to run the country, and you're saying, oh, states, you know, you, you figure it out, and then we'll, you know, if you can't figure it out, then, you know, well, we're here, we got your back. I mean, that's, this guy's an idiot. You close this out, Jerome, your final thoughts on this particular topic. There, there's, a, there's a common shared responsibility that we have, right? So at a federal yeah. government level, where individual states can't, anything that crosses state boundaries actually falls into federal jurisdiction. So obviously this virus is crossing state boundaries, so the federal government should have some kind of responsibility. That is the simplest explanation I can give you. But more importantly, we are losing the um, – I mean, and this shouldn't have been covered in civics. I would say it was a civics issue. It's not. This is a common humanity issue to feel like that you're not responsible for that guy across the street. When you are in government – You are responsible for everybody. So when you're in federal government, you are definitely responsible for everybody in this country, right? So when we're talking a tsunami way across the world, we will send troops over there to help them manage something. But when something happens in a state that you feel didn't vote for you and you're like, oh, they're on their own, there's something wrong with you. So when we start talking about what federal government's responsibility is, there's a common um, understanding what federal government is. You just have some uneducated, narcissistic, criminal guy who's there, and nobody wants to say that. But we all know it. Everybody knew it was true, but nobody wanted to say it. So right now, unlike your last caller that called in, it is not true that black people are overwhelmingly going to vote for him. It's not going to happen. Forget the overwhelming number of people who came out to vote for that fool in a primary when he was the only one on the ballot. If you look at other areas that was highly Republican, uh, just in South Carolina, not black people, just highly Republican, it was an overwhelming – they had 20,000 more people who came out to vote, and they voted for Joe Biden in a Republican county. That didn't even happen – that didn't happen for – that didn't happen for Obama, and it did not happen during the, the, the last presidential election. So you can nitpick stats all you want to, but stop trying to give people anxiety. We have enough anxiety, right? So everybody, you are going to be all right, but you need to take some kind of measures that kind of help you live yourself day to day because we are going to come out of it. But the problem is, is that we cannot forget what government's participation is in this um, – and calming everybody's nerves and providing support. It is what federal government is supposed to do. That's why they're enacting the National Guard and those kind of things. So we have to keep that in yeah. mind 
And, um, you know, everybody stay calm and try not to get too much anxiety about this. We're not here to raise your blood pressure. That is going to help you fight off a virus to begin with, is making your system not seriously. You cannot have a lot of inflammation and stuff in your body. So stop worrying so much. Just be cautious and be careful. Look at that. Words of wisdom, the calming words of one Mr. Jerome Esprit. Good stuff. All right, it's time for this week's edition of After the Break, where I ask our panelists a question, give them the break to think about their response, and then give them 90 seconds on the other side to respond accordingly. And today's question is, the coronavirus is affecting a lot of people. And the bottom line is is that you hear these heartbreaking stories about doctors and nurses who are saying, my goodness, people are dying alone. So the question is, is this, who gives you the right? Does doctors have the right to prevent you from spending your you know, spending the last few moments of your family ones, dying moments with them? Can they deny you that? How can they deny you that? So should they be allowed to tell family members that they cannot spend this person's last and final minutes on earth with them. So that's the question for this morning. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Serious Side third and final set coming up. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Gonna hit a page this time. Let me take my cell I'm not 
going to hear the pages turn. Let me say Pacadelco. Let me jump in here. 347-850-1272 is the uh, caller number. 347-850-1272. I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, I guess BTR or something cut off the rest of the break. Let's jump right back in. 347-850-1272. And as always, during this time of the show, we say hello to our panelists. Let's go ahead and continue that tradition. Let's say good morning to Miss Vanessa Maybelli from the Macanelli. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? Wow. Don't know what happened there. Hello, Vanessa. How are you? And she said hello. Johnny D in the place to be. Good morning to you, sir. Hola, Zuntag. Merhabon. See. The smartest player in the world, Mr. Jerome, is freezing out. Good morning, well? sir. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm good. I'm good. Hey, Vanessa. Doing well. Okay, yeah, something. Hey, too. Hey, Vanessa. Good morning. <laughs> and uh, hey. Mr. Elias is in the house. Hey, what a moment that was. Mr. Elias is in the house. Live radio, folks. Can't do anything about it. What's up, man? How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. How's everybody else out there doing? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, good morning, bro. All right, man. Can we say good morning to some people in the chat room, sir, if you don't mind? Yeah, we got Corvina Man in there, of course. Boba right and easy. Uh... That's all we got. And uh, that song was So Gone, Mariana Music by Jill Scott. Well, what we heard of it was So Gone. And it yeah. went away yeah. real fast. Yeah. I'm not sure what happened there. Well, I guess it didn't load the whole file. That was crazy. I was, I was like, I was sitting there, man, just... I, well, you know what I do is... what you say, Vanessa? I was asking you, could I say something before you go to the next segment? On yeah, yeah, go ahead real quick. Okay, real quick. Yeah. Okay, so we're down from 12 uh, states to nine states. That's not cooperating. Not a lot, but we're still down to nine. And the other Good. thing I wanted to say was, I do blame. I don't blame Trump for the virus, but I do nope. blame Trump for the way it is being organized. And I'm saying this to Johnny D because there was a pandemic put in place, open, put in place. They took outward and went over Trump's staff with what to do should this come up. So I'm not going to say that Bush and Obama blew it. I'm going to say that Trump blew it because they had it in place and they had stockpiles of stuff and they still got it. That's why the son-in-law said it was for them and not for the states because Obama had some in there. So when Trump stood there and said, well, they left us with empty jails, he's a lie. That's how they got the backstock in the first place. And the next thing is, is that even if Obama left the jails empty, which he didn't because he went over it with Trump's staff, so that was a lie, you had three years to fill the shells. So, you know what? I don't, I don't know. Trump is the fault for the way this is going down. Not Obama, not Bush, Trump is. I'm not putting it on Obama because they had it in place and Trump dismantled it. That's all I have to say. Right. Thank you. 
All right, thank you. All right, so, uh, well, Mr. Elias, can we say uh, hello? Okay, let me say hello to a few people. The past has checked in. have a couple of folks checking in, and, you know, because we're short on time, we're not going to be able to get to all your comments, but we'll try to read some of them for you. Uh, but let's get to our, uh, let's get to after the break. Now he's got me. Before the break. I'll have to look at another crime. Uh, what happened there? Okay. So anyway, so after the break, uh, I asked a question to our people. About the, I know the gremlins are in the house. I asked the question to our people, our panelists, about the ability for loved ones to spend their final moments. You know, you being able to spend your final moments with your loved one if your loved one is passing away from coronavirus. And so the question is, you know, should they be allowed to do this? I mean, my goodness, this is it. This is not, you know, they're going to sleep and they'll wake up from a nap an hour later. They're gone. And should they die alone? So let me start with you, Vanessa. The clock's on 90 seconds. Should people be allowed to spend their final moments with their loved ones when they're about to pass over to the next life? Yes, they should, at least by telephone. That's why they say nurses are using their telephone to let people try to call their loved ones if they have time to be able to do it. And I have already instructed by the hands that if I get the coronavirus and I'm really, really sick, don't even take me to the hospital. Let me just die here with them because they're not going to do nothing but let me die anyway. And I'm still in good spirits. I'm all right. I ain't stressed out, Jerome. I'm good. But I am making provisions. For if I was to get the coronavirus. And don't take me up to that hospital. Because they're not going to give me no respirator. I'll just stay at home. Mm. People need to think about that. Yeah, people do need to think about that. Uh, Johnny D. Clock's on. Uh, should people be allowed to spend their final moments? And I'm talking about spending moments. I, mean, I think they're doing this already with allowing folks to call in and do all that stuff. I'm talking about being there at the bedside with your loved one. Should they allow people? Should family members have the, the ability to make that decision? Let's say you. You didn't seconds. say bedside to me, Jay. Are you saying bedside? I said you mean, you not. I said spend topic? their final moments with them. I'm assuming they're in the bed, Vanessa. But let's no, go to Johnny. Well, Johnny. Uh, you would like so, Jay, but then they're going to get the contamination, so you just spread it again. But, okay. well, uh, but that's uh, that's fine. But, okay, all right, got you some response. All right, Johnny, what's, what's say you? All right. I, I say yes, and the reason why is that if you put on the appropriate PPE, uh, just like some of the medical professions, uh, that breakdown is coming because they've got, you know, the lack of equipment. But if you put the proper PPEs on and, and, and prepare yourself accordingly, then that safeguards you from actually contracting the virus. So I, I do think that no one should, should, should die alone uh, and that you should have an opportunity to spend those last moments with, with a family member. Yeah, I agree with you on that. What about you, Jerome, man? Uh, should people be allowed to spend those final moments with a, with a family member as they pass over from one life to the next? Um, I I can't answer that question. That's, I mean, it's safety, so you want to make sure that you're okay. I mean, I don't have any comment on that. Yeah. All right, Mr. Elias, man, your thoughts. Should family members be allowed to uh, spend their final moments with a loved one who's making that journey from one life to another? And the climate that we're in right now, Jay, I would have to say no. Wow. I, I you wow. know, because we don't, we don't, we don't have enough, we don't have enough PPE here, and we, you, you would be taking that away from the doctors and the nurses who are trying to treat, treat, treat the people. To keep them living, man. I mean, think about that. You know, you know. I, I just, I mean, if we had the proper PPE and had enough of it, most definitely. And the climate that we're in right now, nurses, nurses and doctors are trying to fight for all they got right now. 
everything. And they're short on that now. That's why I said well, God knew. That's why I told you the other night, God knew when to take my mother. Because at this point in time, I'd probably be losing my mind. He knew. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take 30 seconds, and I'm going to say... Uh, uh, you know, I think that family member, I can't imagine my mother passing and I'm not there with her. I, I, I just, I can't imagine it. And, you know, I will find the proper PPE. Maybe that's what I'll do, get the stuff in advance. Because to tell me that I can't be with my mother as she makes the transition, she is gone forever. She's going to die with complete strangers, people who never attended her birthday parties, people who never attended her retirement parties, people that was never, who never ate her cooking or cooked for her. She's just there with people, and I understand the predicament that we're in, but for my mother to leave this earth without me being by her side, that's just something that I cannot imagine, and I cannot imagine anyone telling me that I can't be by her side. If I wanted to risk myself to be next to my mom, I just feel that I should have the ability to do that. Here we go. When you talk to people around Joe Biden, they say he has to, has to, has to put either a woman or a minority on the ticket. When he talks to you about and who should be on that ticket, who do you advise him? Oh, well, I'm not going to tell you who I'm going to advise him, but I would advise him uh, that uh, uh, we need to have a woman on the ticket. That was uh, Representative Clyburn when he was asked about having a woman on the ticket for Joe Biden. So now, I asked this question a couple of weeks ago to our, well, probably a month ago to our folks, who should be the VP candidate for Joe Biden? So I'm going to give them a mulligan since things, and you know, since things have changed since then. I'm going to ask the question again. Vanessa, I'll start with you. Who should be the VP candidate for Joe Biden? At first, I said I thought it should be. Oh, okay. There she is. Huh? Go ahead. No, I, I didn't hear you. You didn't say anything. Go ahead. We're listening. I'm on mute, Jay. I'm muting myself. I'm sorry. At first, I okay, thought no that I would have said mm-hmm. uh, the lady in Georgia. But the way stuff is rolling with them saying that. Who? Keisha Stacey Bottoms. Abrams. Mm-mm. Oh, oh you said, oh, you mean that? Oh, Stacey Abrams. Okay, sorry. I was thinking about Atlanta. Stacey the Abrams mayor of Atlanta. Okay. Okay. So, for me, at first I thought it should be Stacey Abrams. But now, since everybody's trying to say that Joe Biden is got uh, dementia and he's forgetting stuff, and I don't want him <laughs> to lose, I'm, well. I'm going to put it with my next person, which would be Amy. Amy Klobuchar. Wow. I know she, really? I, I'm just telling you, you know why I'm saying this? And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm saying it because it's still a white man's world. And we still have wow. to play the white man game. And they're not, with the way he's not taking command and thinking clearly. But I think it's because he's so stressed out. That's the reason why he's fumbling up his words. But I still think you don't think he, when you say well, well, when you say he's not thinking clearly. Let me ask you. So I want to ask you before you move on. You don't think he's thinking clearly, or do you think it's a situation where he has a stuttering problem and it sounds like he's not thinking clearly? No, he's not stuttering, uh, Jay, because my husband used to stutter. 
he's not stuttering because of that. He's stuttering because he is so stressed out. He's trying to get in front of the camera. He doesn't want to lose his momentum. And he's stuttering and messing up what's trying to come out of his mind. What his brain is thinking doesn't always come out of his mouth. And it makes people think that he has dementia. But I don't think he does. I think that it's just, sometimes it happens with me. What I'm thinking on this going to come out of my mouth. So it's the same thing with him. But I, I just believe at this point in time in the game, he said he was going to put a black woman on the Supreme Court. I'm going to let him ride with that. And I think he should make Stacey Abrams VP and put Kamala as a fair general. That's just me. Interesting. All right, what about you? Let me tell you, know, we got about five minutes, so let's try to get to All right, Jerome, man, real quick, man. Uh, who do you think is going to be on that ticket, brother? I, know, I don't think you're going to change who you said before, but I just want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> you want to hear me say, <laughs> do you check the show from November? <laughs> like, do you want me to go back that far? <laughs> you know, it's, it's even, but I will comment on this. You know, Vanessa, yeah. that the assessment on Joe Biden is a narrative that's being painted, right? You got We have to stop doing that. Joe Biden is not I losing it. No, I I get it. I get it. All, all I'm saying is that people are trying to sell that. People right. like Klobuchar or Gillibrand, none of them should be on the ticket. And I'm gonna tell you why. It does not work strategically when you're running a campaign. What do they bring to you to bring more people out to vote? They bring nothing. They could not. You cannot like hit a hit an ocean with a pebble with those two, right? So when you're running with the um, when you're running for vice president, it is to bring in a constituency that you wouldn't normally get. And Biden has to stay strong in black folks' community and, and uh, generally, and it does not need to go for the white women vote because how that worked is that's why Hillary lost. You count on white women as your extension of your voting, then technically you're going to be disappointed all day. And I think in making that same mistake, I have called the Democrats stupid before. I think that will be the worst mistake that they can make. Cannot do that. You might as well get another white man. But if you go to white female, especially one of those, it is not going to help you. Hmm. That's interesting you say that. Now, before I get to my next two guys, I'm going to play what uh, Clyburn said in his entire I want to play his full comments, and we'll be right back after this. When you talk to people around Joe Biden, they say he has to, has to, has to put either a woman or a minority on the ticket. When he talks to you about and who should be on that ticket, who do you advise him? Oh, well, I'm not going to tell you who I'm going to advise him. But I would advise him uh, that uh, uh, we need to have a woman on the ticket, uh, and I prefer an African-American woman. Like, who are some African-American women in Democratic politics today that you think are certainly ready for to be vice president uh, and that would want to potentially take on a gig like that? Kamala Harris has been out there. Uh, she certainly ought to be in, in the discussion. If we look on the House side, Marsha Fudge. Val Demons. If I were to get outside yep. or away from the hill, uh, I would go down to to ladder. Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. Keisha Lance Bottoms, the mayor of Atlanta. Susan Rice. All right, let me get to you, Johnny. Uh, question for you: Who should uh, Joe Biden put on the ticket? 
Uh, who do you think his VP uh, selection should be? You know what, Jay? I, I, I somewhat wish you hadn't played that because my top two, uh, and believe it or not, was Susan Rice, and I'm 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 beginning to be more and more impressed by the guy that's up there representing Jerome and his state, uh, Hakeem Jeffries. I, I think he is he yeah. has certainly uh, been one that has been favorable. Uh, but I will say that we need to exercise our political capital. We're going African Americans going to be the one that put Joe Biden in the office. So we need to get something out of it. So, but Susan Rice was the was the person that I was going to say, and, and like I say, Hakeem Jeffries would also be one. Wow, you, you see what he has there. He has a situation where uh, Mister Elias, you know, it's a minority. So it's like. You know, black women, they're really the base of the Democratic Party. But if you're not going to pick a black woman, then the candidate should be an African-American male, in most people's opinion. So let me ask you the question as we close it out. Who do you think Joe Biden should put on the ticket? By the way, he's already informed the Sanders campaign that he is actually vetting VPs. I guess that's nice of him to say, hey, Bernie, you know, you're still in it, but you really don't have a chance. So I'm going to act like <laughs> I'm going to do the right thing until you do. We're going to start talking to VPs. But who do you think should be that uh, second uh, second person in charge, Cecilia? I was going, I, yeah, I'm like, John, I wish you had to play that. I was going to say choosing right. Maybe what do you guys want, like, an there. exclusive something? I mean, come on. Yeah. I got wish. Wait, wait, wait. No, man, because I was going to say <laughs> Susan Rice because she's been there. She's been in politics. Yeah. She's, she's been in the White House, man. She, she knows what it takes, so I was going to say her, but hey, you know, that, that's just me. You know, and she's a yeah. sharp. She's a sharp sister. Very sharp. Mentally, she's a very sharp sister. Huh. So we have a lot. We have voting. People who are voting for Susan Rice, you're right. I saw her lately, and, uh, you know, it's – but, you know, Johnny D bring up Hakeem Jeffries, and I've been impressed with him as well. I don't know if they're going to – you know, I don't know if he's going to vet him. He did, but he can't because he already said he's going to pick a woman as his vice president. So he said that at a debate. So, you know, if I had to put my money on somebody, I think it's going to probably be Senator Harris, even though, I, you right. know, at the, when she pulled when she pulled that comment, when she pulled that stunt at the debate, we were all like, ah, she, she's done, she's done. But I tell you what, she's, uh, she's rebounded nicely. And uh, you see she's putting herself in good graces with the Biden campaign. So if I had to put my money on somebody, I would say it's going to probably be her versus well, who's Keisha. Her? Huh? Who do you say you think it'll be who? I think it's going to be Harris. I think he's going to pick Harris. So yeah. Harris. Here, here's my hint. So. And again, I was on this a long time ago. Even when um, um, the congressman gave the names and he put um, Atlanta's mayor at the bottom. I think it's. Yeah. I think you try to distract while you're doing this, right? And so everybody's yeah. gonna go for the people who they've seen on TV and who they know. But she, yeah. and I mean um, Keisha Lance Bottoms, I think that she is gonna be the perfect person. She already got Atlanta on lock, right? She's one mayor there, yeah. and she seriously. And for her in rallies, Keisha does well. She was just on TV the other day, and so I, you know, so my thing is. I'm only looking at this from a professional point of view. I know you, everybody else is pretty much doing this, you know, who's faster, Superman and the Flash kind of thing. But for me, strategically, 
Um, and because Susan Rice is a horrible, is a horrible pick. Inside of a campaign, if we was having this conversation, that'd be the, one of the worst picks you can pick. Who? So, Who would be? I to say that. I'm Susan Rice. I, I just wanted to say that. Oh, really? Like a, an internal campaign standpoint, that would be a horrible really? decision. And Why so, that? anyway, I just wanted to say that. I know this is not a paid uh, show for me, so... Um, I'm gonna keep okay. my comments. Oh well, look, look, you see, I did okay. that in the Mister Elias. Hey, uh, let me stop this right now. No, no, no. Uh, the clock is not ticking. I hear you, Jerome. The reason I say that is because there are reasons why, and I'm not gonna go through the whole reasons why, and that's why I said yeah. it that way. In a longer discussion, okay, I would give yeah. you reasons. You know, I tell you what. Let, let, let's make that one of the topics for next week because I'm curious as to why, and I'm like, man, we don't have enough time. But I really want to hear your perspective. So. Let's make a note to self. We're gonna we're gonna finish this one up next week. Cause I want to hear what you have to say about that. I'm very curious as to why you would say what you said about Susan Rice. Cause I thought she's sharp, but I'm thinking it's gonna be Senator Harris. I really do, and I think she knows it's gonna be her too because you can tell she's kind of carrying herself in public now. Um, you said you think, I think you, the Biden campaign. Think Susan Rice I think she knows. No, 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 I, no, no. no uh, Harris. I think Harris knows oh. that she's gonna be the pick too. I think no, so. I you think, can just tell think, by her demeanor when, when she, herself huh? to be a, I think she's positioning herself. Well, well, she how. is. There's no doubt about yeah. that. There's no doubt about it. You know. I'm yeah, sorry, no, Joe. Like, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to say that girl was me. You know. Forgive me. Yeah. So anyway. All right. So we'll <laughs> we'll step out and take our final break before uh, on a need to know basis in Chatterbox. Real quick, Chatterbox. And I'll read about three comments and then we'll jump right into it. You listen to the serious side. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Amazon Prime Video, presenting the new series, Tales from the Loop, exploring the mind-bending adventures of people who live above the loop, a machine built to unlock the mysteries of the universe. Watch Tales from the Loop now, only on Prime Video. A third cruise ship with coronavirus cases on board docked this weekend in Florida. The Coral Princess arrived in Miami with a dozen people who tested positive among the 1,800 passengers and crew. Two passengers have died. Princess Cruises says those who need to be hospitalized will disembark first, and passengers found fit to fly expected to begin leaving today. Others with symptoms will remain on board until cleared by doctors. The ship docked in Miami after Fort Lauderdale's Port Everglades refused permission. Today is Palm Sunday, the first day of Holy Week for many Christian denominations leading up to Easter. With the onslaught of changes being made due to the, due to the uh, coronavirus outbreak, churches are coming up with creative ways to connect with members. One church in Kansas is distributing palms through a drive-up setting from member station KMUW in Wichita. Carla Eccles reports. Wearing a white mask and blue gloves, Pastor Pam Hughes-Mason of St. Paul African Methodist Episcopal Church practices social distancing in the church parking lot. Members are stopping by and we are placing sanitized palms, offering envelopes, worship guides, and communion inside a plastic baggie sanitized inside their cars and just wishing them Hosanna in the highest. The pandemic has caused the church to lean more on technology and do some things out of the box. Church members will wave their palm branches and take communion from home while watching service online. For NPR News, I'm Carla Eccles in Wichita. And I'm Giles Snyder. This is NPR News from Washington. 
This message comes from NPR sponsor, Walden University. At Walden, they see greatness in you, and they have a doctoral degree program that can help you reach your full potential. Turn your passion into power and ignite your career. Learn more about our online doctoral programs at waldenu.edu slash doc. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is our call in number three four seven. Oh my God, what am I doing? Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the call in number three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's time for Chatterbox. Final thoughts from our world famous chat room and from social media. Mr. Elias, man, what do we have from the uh, chat room? Any comments you care to read, or should I just jump straight to the social media stuff? Well, Corina man says certain emergency items improve year to year. So I get new versions every so often, i.e. water filters, flashlight, power packs, etc. Um, and then he says, one of the first legal charges, changes which needs to be made after things get back to normal should be mandating that percentage of emergency needs items must, must be manufactured here in America. Interesting. All right, the pastor checks in. He says, peace and blessings to the suicide family. Prayers for our sister Mariana. May God continue to watch over her during this, these turbulent times. Jay, you bring up a good point about people being being responsible, being held responsible for being non-compliant. Okay, thank you, Pastor. We appreciate that. Uh, here's another one from. You know what? I, I cut it off. God dang it! It was a lady from. I'm sorry, sweetie. I'll bring it. I'll, I'll read it if I have time at the end of the show. Roxy from Baldwin, Colorado says, "God bless all those workers on the front line." Sammy B from LACA. You told me to pronounce it that way. Uh, Jay, love your comment on the question about spending time with their loved ones in the final moment. Get your PPE now in preparation for that difficult situation. And, oh, boy, I tell you what. God dang it. I realize what I'm doing wrong with it now, and I'm cutting this stuff off. All right, without any further ado, you know what time it is. Five, four, three, two, one. The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? Today, but hey, listen. Hopefully, the Gremlins won't show up now because it's my favorite time of the show. It's time for the need to know basis with Mr. Jerome Free. Jerome, man, tell me you're betting a thousand. Gremlin Free, what's going on, brother? <laughs> Gremlin Free? Okay, along with truth from everything free. else, right? <laughs> right? You know, okay. like the, the family of um, Reverend Joseph Lowry um, gathered on Saturday in Atlanta for a small private funeral for the civil rights veteran following his death last month from natural causes. Joseph Lowry was 98 years old. Wow. If you don't know, yeah, if you don't know who he is, his role in the civil rights movement, Dr. Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King's, um, he was, I wouldn't say he was more of his right hand than his, than his partner in crime. Like, Joseph Lowry led the, the civil rights movement as well. Um, his funeral was held on April 4th the 52nd anniversary of King's assassination in Memphis. So, Joseph Lowry. Now, um, you know, a, a pink supermoon is set to appear in early April, making this arrival of um, spring the biggest and brightest lunar event 
of 2020. It's, um, it's supposed to, you know, take place in April. So the supermoon, sometimes called the uh, Pashal full moon, will take place um, on the 7th. So um, on Tuesday, it marks the start of spring. So spring started on the calendar already, but the official start of spring is the supermoon, which is on the 7th. We're actually officially in spring. Yeah. Now, the FBI uh, processed um, record numbers of background checks in March as Americans stock up on weapons, and Trump um, class, he, he said that um, firearm dealers are essential during the virus outbreak. So they're allowed to open. So figures show that 3.7 million background checks were carried out last month. And that's the uh, the most for a single month since the system began in 1989 or 98. Wow. Yeah, and you know, and they're trying they're waving some of the background checks because the systems are so backed up. Some yeah. Because they're crazy too. So over that. Oh. Yeah. Now, uh, radio host uh, radio host who was 79 is sentenced to 25 years in prison for a $29.2 million Ponzi scheme that targeted the the elderly um, Christian listeners. So you know how you go to (laughs) this guy who's called, I don't know if you gave money, William Neal Doc Gallagher, right? He is a Texas radio host and a financial consultant. He admitted to connecting elderly listeners out of, um, he conned them out of $29.2 million dollars. And he received 25 years in prison. He should have. Yeah, yeah. There you go for your, um, never mind. I'm not going to say anything about it. Never mind. All right. Uh, New York finally legalized uh, legalizes electric scooters and e-bikes as part of their new state spending bill. So the city will still be able to enforce their own bans. Now, after years of struggling, electric scooters and e-bikes will be legal to use in New York State. So the new state law will allow municipalities to enforce a local ban if they don't want the nuisance. So I, I don't know what it means for them to, in the midst of a virus, to actually use a scooter, but apparently they want cars to stop driving around, so you can use a scooter in New York State now. All right. <laughs> wow. The, the video calling service Zoom removed codes from apps um, that send user data to Facebook. So the CEO said that Zoom was made aware on Wednesday, March 25th, that Facebook um, SDK, which is the way that they collect um, device data or information, they said it's unnecessary for us to provide our services to actually have Facebook intercept your data. So what that means generally is that when you go onto a site that allows Facebook to collect data, even if you're not on Facebook, it sends your data to Facebook. So Zoom said that they stopped sending their data to Facebook. I wish everybody would announce that they're stopping sending data to Facebook. Really? But, um, so the FDA said that all Xanax must be pulled from the shelves months after officials warned that the popular heartburn drug is contaminated with cancer-causing chemicals. So the FDA officials told drug makers on Wednesday that they must pull all Xanax and... Uh, Ranadine, I guess is what it's called. It's the generic 
of that heartburn medication from their shelves after reversing their their decision on the risk. So no Zantac, people. Right. Now, New Orleans has the highest um, coronavirus deaths in the U.S. It almost doubled the rate in New York City because many resident, residents suffered from um, diabetes and high blood pressure and all these other ailments. But New Orleans has doubled the rate of New York City. Wow. Yeah. And remember, they had Mardi Gras, and they would not stop people from yeah. spreading. That's yeah. Yeah. There we go, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. All right. So, retired NFL kicker Tom Dempsey, who was 73, he broke the record uh, records with that 63-yard um, field goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He made that in 1970. He actually passed away from the coronavirus. Um, um, and I guess he's in a residential home, in a retirement home in New Orleans where at least 15 patients have passed away. Now, his family was unable to be with him, and as his condition got worse, because residents at, the home, at that home was quarantined, quarantined, said his daughter Ashley, um, her father had been battling Alzheimer's um, and dementia um, as well. Now, Joe Biden said that he'll wear a face mask if he goes out in public in accordance to the CDC uh, recommendation. And mm-hmm. um, said, yes, I think it's important to follow the science, listen to the experts, and do what, um, do what they tell you is what um, Vice President Biden said on ABC this week, um, this morning, um, when asked if he'll wear a mask in public. He said he may not mm-hmm. like how it looks, how he looked in the mask, but the truth of the matter is follow the science. So, wow. There you go. I, don't, I agree. Yeah, now the the captain of that USS Theodore Roosevelt, who has been hailed as a hero by the great-grandson of the um, ship's namesake uh, for speaking up about the coronavirus. Did you hear about that, about the air carrier? And they fired him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe that, man. You spoke up about it. What? Yeah, he fired the inspector general who approved the um, the um, whistleblower. Yeah, the whistleblower stuff. Like, they fire anybody who report that they're doing something illegal or wrong. Mm-hmm. That should tell you something about the criminals that are there. And people keep saying, yeah. oh, he's going to win. Black people go vote for him. It, it, yeah, it's like right. saying that black people like criminals or something, right? <laughs> I don't think so. All right. Now, Tweed Roosevelt is what his name is. He penned the op-ed in the New York Times on Saturday praising Captain Brent Crozier after he sent a letter to Navy bosses earlier this week pleading for permission um, to let his crew off the ship for fears that many of the sailors could be sick by the um, uh, the COVID-19. There were 1,555 confirmed cases moved to dry land. However, mm. after his letter was leaked, like, how do you have five, 1,500 cases and you can't say nothing? But but that's what, that's what I don't leaked, understand. Yeah. After his letter was leaked to media outlets, the Navy fired him from his position um, as captain. So Captain Crozier is a hero, is what Tweed Roosevelt wrote in the op-ed. He said, my great-grandfather would agree. 
and Captain Crozier joins a growing list of heroic men and women who have risked their careers over the last few weeks to speak out about life-threatening failures to treat victims during this terrible pandemic. And that's what the great-grandfather of Theodore Roosevelt, great-grandson of Theodore Roosevelt said. Wow. Yeah, we are living in a time that um, it's upside-down bizarro time for these guys. You're in line, man. Yeah, if you have to say something so simple as, we're going to fire you because you tell the world that 1,500 sailors got the virus, then technically, you know. And and while you're denying... What you say? What happened to the Whistleblower Protection Act? What happened to that? They're apparently not enforcing it. The, the government's okay. going to have to go, after they leave office, they're going to have to do a complete overhaul. They're, Congress is going to have to make some laws, um, and they're going to restructure themselves. Because all of the things that they believe out of um, pure political suicide that people would not do, that they didn't have in law, these guys are doing it. If it's not specifically expressed in law, they don't care what um, what procedurally that they should or should not do. If it's not in law, they're not doing it. So they're breaking um, the whole system. There's no common courtesy in this, and traditionally that's not what we do. And like I said, there's no law to say that you can't arrest the president. So they need to break that one. <laughs> if you're going to break a law, um, uh, break a uh, a common courtesy procedural thing That is one that's really? a Rule that should be broken But this administration If it's not a law It's in stone apparently They're like he has the right to fire him Under any circumstances they're going to fire him But we know why he fired him mm. Now um, You know um, Cats and ferrets Can be infected with the coronavirus But it's hard for dogs to catch the disease According to um, science, scientists so experts in China deliberately infected the animals with the coronavirus to see how they would um, contract illness as a result or be able to pass it to other animals. And they're saying that um, it's harder for dogs to catch the disease. So people with cats, you just want to put that out there. All right. Now, Apple and Goldman Sachs are allowing Apple card members to defer their April payments without penalty in order to help um, those impacted by the pandemic. Um, so Apple and Goldman Sachs saying you don't have to pay your bill. I think you might want to mm. call them first. Don't take my word for that. Really? <laughs> Just a <new> story. <laughs> um, Facebook and Apple say that the personal protection equipment that they're donating to hospitals were stockpiles from the California wildfires. Now, the tech giants are sending millions of N95 masks to healthcare workers in the U.S. to help with the shortage, but the donations started raising questions on why these firms are stockpiling millions of face masks. Why would why would Apple and Facebook have those? But they released a statement, and they said they grabbed them because of the wildfires. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with that because it makes sense, but that's, that's pretty suspicious, right? Why, why companies that don't deal with health stuff actually has a bunch of those masks. Now, Abbott Abbott Laboratories, based in Illinois, is ramping up production to manufacture at least 50,000 of its new five-minute tests um, per day to use in hospitals, urgent care clinics, and doctor's offices. So they actually have five-minute tests to detect and see if you have um, coronavirus. Um, Abbott Laboratories has that. 
Um, Johnson & Johnson is vowing to make 1 billion doses of a coronavirus vaccine by 2021 after it landed a $450 million government contract. But the firm mm. hasn't even started testing people. So they don't even have, mm. you know, forget this, they don't have a vaccine. They haven't even started testing a vaccine. But they, but the government gave them a $450 million contract. So the combined with the funding it'll get from the government, Johnson & Johnson um, COVID-19 project is worth a billion dollars, but not begun human trials, but says it'll start in September. See, wow. this is what we mean by them divvying up money. We have stuff going on right now, and they are signing billion-dollar contracts. It's crazy. All right, All right so we now, have time for two more stories, brother. Two okay, more. now Benson and Hedges, the cigarette giant. If you're old enough hey. to know who Benson Hedges, <laughs> Hedges uh, is, my mother used to smoke those things. Oh, uh, there you go. They're a British tobacco, British American tobacco company. They claim um, that um, it has developed a, a vaccine made from tobacco plants and can manufacture three million a week starting in June. This is in wow. Great Britain. Now, if you don't know who. Benson and Hedges, they also make Lucky Strike cigarettes, by the way. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, they so, do. Yep, so they're trying to fast-track their human trials to be rolled out in the U.K. Um, in months, but they actually claim that they have a virus, um, a vaccine. Um, wow, that's a, good, so, that is, that's a good thing. Yep. So, you know, fever, in the last story, you know, fevers fell in the U.S. Um, um, this week, so there's a daily smart thermometer. Their data suggests that social distancing is working and keeping temperature rates below 60% lower than experts predicted during the pandemic. So the fever map from the medical technology company um, Kenza um, Health shows that fevers are decreasing, indicating strict social distancing measures may be helping stopping the spread of the coronavirus. So there is some good news in there that people are – they can measure this in real time from those um, thermometers, those smart thermometers that they have all across the country. Wow. it's a good story to end on, man. Good positive stuff, like you said, man. Your calming voice says for us to calm down and just take the necessary precautions that you need to do to keep you and your loved ones safe. It is time – thank you, Jerome. It is time for our final thoughts. And Vanessa Mae Belly, final thoughts. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, my final thought is um, every week that I can uh, pick up the telephone and talk to you guys is a blessing because that means that I'm still here. The next thing is I want to say that I'm praying for this country. I'm praying for a president who takes other countries like Canada's PPEs and, and, and other equipment and keep it for the United States, which we need, but that's still wrong. I also am not, even though our governor has relaxed in Texas and told us to go to church. Bobby's in there looking at church online, and we will be doing what you had on a, on a, a segment, Jay. We're going to be doing drive-by communion at our church. We have a small church. We're going to be doing drive-by communion between 12 and 1 o'clock, and we can pay our time online or give them a check when we go do it, whatever. But Vanessa and Bobby just does not feel that it is safe to be on the arm in church with people serving the Lord because we can do that in other ways. I pray for you guys. I wish everybody the best. 
Jay, I hope that you get things in line as to what it is that you would like to see done with your mother, even if it is to keep her at home and you fly to see her at her age. So go ahead and make whatever provisions. Don't wait till it happens to decide what it is that you would like to do. And for the rest of us as well. We know how old we are. We know what our health conditions are. These are things we need to discuss with our family right now. I love y'all, and uh, I hope that everybody stays safe until we meet again next week. All right. Johnny D, man, final thoughts. Okay. All right. Okay. My, my, my apologies. Again, uh, happy Farm Sunday, and I certainly wish everyone a, a, a blessed Holy Week uh, for those who who believe and those who serve. Uh, understand that we it's going to take a lot of prayer to get us through this pandemic. And Jay, as I did last week, I just want to give the talent. Uh, since we have been on the show for the last two hours, globally there have been 10,242 more people that have been confirmed with the COVID-19 and 849 have died. So, again, prayer, prayer, prayer. Um, do take care. Love everybody. All right. Uh, Mr. Elias, uh, first and last word, brother, final thoughts. Did you forget about Jerome? He dropped. Okay. Uh, well, folks, look, Bill Withers died this week, and that was my guy, man. Um, you know, just, just man, just prayers for Bill Withers' family. Uh, grandma's hands, man, they used to, they used to affect me because my grandma used to, 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 to be one of my favorite people, man, so... Southside to build with us. God bless you and peace to your family, man. You know, I'll just say that everybody stay safe, do the right thing. Bottom line is be responsible because there are other people that walk this earth with you. And that bus driver, Mr. Hargrove, his family is now grieving because he is gone. He is gone because the bottom line is that people didn't do the right thing. So be safe, take care of yourselves, and God bless you all. And Mr. Elias, on that note, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, my friend, what time is it? It is time for the serious side of the Jay Ralph Joe. It's been a pleasure to serve you as always. So for Vanessa, for Johnny D, and for my main man, Mr. Elias and Jerome, I'm Jay Ralph saying have a blessed and safe weekend. Remember, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side, my friend. God bless. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week. Be safe, everybody. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network.